Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We have a lot of y'all that are following online because you're traveling or you're sick. And if you're sick, that's not okay. Sorry. No, uh, not because you're bad, right? Remember what uh, the disciples asked Jesus. They said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Anybody here when you're sick, that's your question? What did I do wrong? And it might, you know, might be, oh my gosh, I shouldn't hug that sick person. Uh, no. In the Old Testament, you don't touch. You're afraid to touch. You're afraid to get near to people who might have cooties. What kind of cooties are there out there? Uh, Monkeypox. Monkeypox. Awesome. Physical cooties, right? Like sicknesses, diseases, uh, maybe emotional cooties. Anybody been around somebody, you're like, woo, stranger danger. Like, you know, or anybody like spiritually, right? But Jesus, every time Jesus saw a sick person, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually, what did he do? He touched them and he prayed for them. He touched them. He touched them. I love the, the, the leper says, he goes, Jesus, if you're willing, I can, you can make me clean. And like he's staying away from Jesus. And Jesus goes, I'm willing. And he grabs him. Because in the new covenant, we're not afraid of cooties. Because we bring heaven to earth. Jesus' blood cleanses us from everything. So we get to give that away. We don't have to live in fear. That's why, as um, Gwen was saying this morning about peace, Jesus can say to us, be anxious about nothing. Be afraid. And he says over and over again, what does he say most in scripture? Do not fear. Why? Because I'm with you. And so in every situation, he's more than enough. More than enough. So we can with joy realize that if we're in difficult situations, he's more than enough for that situation. And every single one of us today has a difficult situation in your life. Now, some difficult situations, situ, I can't even say it. That's my difficult situation. <laughs> some difficult situations aren't difficult to us anymore because we built a Chinese wall around them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't have a problem. I don't even look over there anymore. Nobody? Like, I don't have any financial problems. I just don't go to the mailbox anymore. <laughs> right? I just don't pick up the phone. Um, and what I want to say is whatever your area that is robbing you of joy, of hope, creating fear, anxiety, frustration, offense, I don't care what it is, Jesus says, stop it. How dare you? How dare you? That is just so insensitive. <laughs> you know, it is insensitive if he weren't the God of the universe. It would be insensitive if he had not come in, live inside of us. It would be insensitive if he wasn't the Jesus who wakes up from a sound sleep. Who here, you need like an hour to become human in the morning. Jesus, they wake him out of a sound sleep after working like a dog. And what does he do? He is able, without revving up, without even coffee, able to say, peace be still to the storm. As he is, so are we in this world. How? 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. So whatever your area is that either you're focused, fixated on, focused on, or avoiding, God is the answer. And so as we go in today, one of the things we're doing in this season, we're looking at Jesus encounters. We're looking at how Jesus encountered people and how people encountered Jesus because we're supposed to walk with Jesus. With Jesus. You know what? If you got Jesus in your boat, you're good for any storm. Jesus, who wants Jesus in your boat? Who wants Jesus to speak to your storms? Who wants Jesus at least to get there alive with, right? Jesus is enough. But we will not see Jesus be enough until we understand how he wants to walk with us. He said, my sheep hear my voice, know my voice. He wants to walk with us through hearing his voice and responding to him. Well, the great news is Jesus came as a man, human being. And so one of the things, too, is I love this. Who here thinks that we're living in the worst time ever? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I love, there was an article by Dr. Michael Brown. Maybe you guys know who that is. He wrote, it's called Spiritual Myopia. myopia. It's uh, nearsightedness. And uh, C.S. Lewis said something to the same effect. But he was talking to a, a young uh, journalist, and they were like, it's the worst time ever! And they were listing off a bunch of things. And he goes, he goes, I looked at him, and I said, you know, when I was your age, we just had our president killed by a communist, his brother killed by a Palestinian terrorist, and we, I mean, he just went on and on and on. And he's like, so I'm thinking this is pretty good. But I would submit to you, Jesus, it says he was born at the perfect time. Do you know what the perfect time was? The worst time. Jesus was born in the middle of a fascist empire that demanded worship. You think you've got it? Oh my gosh, they want me to get a shot. How about bow down or we kill you? I'm just saying, Jesus is enough for whatever your situation is. I'm hoping I've taken your exception slip and ripping it up. Because as long as we have exceptions, we will never find Jesus to be exceptional in our situations. So the thing is, is so uh, just to kind of give you a grid of, of where, where Jesus was born, if, if what you got is, you guys remember the people of Israel came out of Egypt probably around 1400 BC. Then we get King David around 1000 BC. God said, uh, you guys want, if you want to stay in the land of promise, you guys really need to stick with me. Anybody here tried doing life without Jesus? <laughs> and, and realized you can't hold on to the promises all by yourself? Anyway, so about 586, uh, the Babylonian Empire wiped them out, mainly because they had been invited by uh, the, the king prior to, but that's another story. And, uh, but God is good. And they came back to the land of promise um, very quickly, within 70 years. And they had rebuilt the temple, wonderful. But they were still under the Persian Empire by that point. Then uh, around 330, Alexander the Great decided, hey, I'll take a piece of that. Anybody, that's the story of your life? You just go from one slavery to another? No? Okay. Anyway, so, you know, they go from Babylonian to Persian to, uh, to uh, Greek domination with the Seleucid Empire. And that gets to the point where they're, they, it, it's getting crazy. So the Jews rise up in 
167 BC with the Maccabean revolt, and they finally take over. This is a, a spiritual political revolt, and they establish in 141 the Hasmonean uh, dynasty, which is all good until a dude by the name of Herod the Great in 37 BC. Some of you guys are having your best life right now with this. I realize that. Uh, others of you wait. We'll get to the good stuff. Um, 37 BC, a dude by the name of Herod the Great, who wasn't so great. Ever noticed all the people named Great weren't great? But anyway, Herod the Great, um, he joined up with the Romans and took over Jew the Jews, right? Took over the Jews. So they had had this wonderful run for about 140 years where they were in charge. They had their little, their spiritual uh, kingdom, and then it got taken away from them. So you got to understand, Jesus shows up on the scene right before zero year, and uh, we are coming to, our story begins in 30 AD, 67 years. So there are people alive who are alive when Jude, Judea was a free country. And so the first generation after they lose it is depressed and despairing. The next generation says, we're going to get it back. And so as a result, this period right here is the crazy years. Every few minutes, a new Messiah pops up. We're going to take them, right? We're going to take them out. We're going to become political power. We're going to become a military power. We're going to kick out the evil Romans. We're the Romans evil. Well, their empire was evil. Maybe not the people, but their empire was. You know, they were big on, uh, oh, I can't even tell you the stuff they did. It was bad. Like, if you want to look it up, you just be ready to, it's, it's ugly. That it was bad. The horrible things that they would do to the Jews consistently, it, they were really suffering. And every two minutes, a new Messiah popped up. I was going through the list of Messiahs in the first century. It's impressive. Because we're always looking for a Messiah until we find one. Anyway, so here's Jesus. Jesus. This is where our scene begins because around 30 AD, a dude by the name of John the Baptist shows up. You guys remember? And uh, he's crazy. Like, like, like we, we, anybody you look at like Bible pictures and you're like, oh, that's normal. No, it's not normal. It's not normal to wear camel's hair. Anybody felt camel hair? It's stiff and it itches. Like, what is wrong with you, boy? There's such a thing as cotton, right? Get a Hanes t-shirt or something. Anyway, so he's out in the desert. So he goes out where nobody is and starts preaching. Do you think that's a weird place to be preaching? He goes out, but then he doesn't eat normal stuff. He eats honey and low bugs. Listen, I don't know about you, but this rain has made the cockroaches come alive. And I'm like, oh, no, thank you, right? This is, this is a crazy guy. And I love the way the, the show, The Chosen, shows him. He looks crazy, doesn't he? <laughs> like, like when Nicodemus goes to him, he's like afraid he's going to bite his fingers or something. I love it. John the Baptist is not, I mean, he's like, but, and everyone's like, so you're the Messiah. You look crazy enough. You could be the Messiah. And he goes, no, man. After me comes a really great man, one who I'm not even worthy to lace up his sandals. And they're like, wow, if you're, ooh, wow. And then Jesus shows up. I don't, this is the interesting thing. I don't, I personally, this is my guess, we don't know. But Jesus didn't, I don't think John the Baptist realized Jesus was the Messiah until that moment. 
when it said he saw that he said the one I, on whom I see the Holy Spirit descending on the dove. And then he hears the father go, this is my beloved son in whom you're well pleased. I'm well pleased. And do you know why you get signs? Because you need them. No, no, you don't get a sign. Like if you know how to get to your house, you never look at a sign, do you? If you're getting a sign, be concerned. You're going to need it. And in that moment, the sign comes and he sits there and he goes, and he goes, wow, so this is where we pick up our story, okay? So if you guys got Bibles, I recommend them. Flip open to John chapter 1. And we're going to meet our character, Peter. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples in the same place. When he saw Jesus passing by, now where was John? Can we pull up that map? Thank you. So you see that white circled red dot? John set up camp right there on the River Jordan, and he was baptizing people for the repentance of sin. He, they, they were to a ritual. This was something that was common in Judaism. You do a ritual dip as a declaration that, you're, that you were laying down your sins and that God was taking your sins from you. And they would come down to the Jordan River. Why? Because it was wet, right? And the main thing was, you see that red loop? That was the main way. Most of the Jews lived up in the Galilee area, but they had to come down to Jerusalem um, two or three times a year. Now, there were good Jews were supposed to come to, Jew, to Jerusalem three times a year for three different feasts. One was Passover. That's in March or April. Another was 50 days later at the Sabaoth uh, um, uh, or the, the Feast of Weeks which was the, uh, uh, in May or uh, June. And then uh, the, the festival of booths or Sukkot was in September, October. Now, if you were a good Jew, you went to all of them. But there's a problem. Do you know how long it would take a pilgrimage group to get from Nazareth or Bethsaida or Capernaum from Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem? Well, about a week. So you go a week down, you spend a week at the feast, you go back for a week, turn around, come back. Yeah, I mean, like you had to be independently wealthy to do this. So the average good Jew only attended about one a year. But look what they passed by. So here's John the Baptist standing out in the wilderness going, you bunch of pagans going to celebrate feasts. Isaiah says he hates your new moon festivals. And they're like, who's the crazy dude? And they're like, it's not going to work for you. You're still going to feel like sinners come. And they come and they get baptized. So he's doing this baptism on the route right on the way to Jerusalem. So he, you know, more than likely, this scene we're seeing is Jesus had gone to Jerusalem and stopped off at John the Baptist, right, on the way. I'll give you some understanding in a second. All right, so when he saw Jesus passing by, because this is the next day, he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God, right? Behold, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, now remember, he's been saying over and over again, guys, you, um, I'm the one preparing the way for the Messiah. Everybody's looking for the Messiah. And he's basically saying, that's the Messiah. When the two disciples heard him, they, him say this, they, they bounced on John. <laughs> They're like, thank you, John. You've served your purpose. I'm going to follow Jesus. And they said they followed him, asking him, and he turned around and asked them, what do you want? Doesn't that sound rude? 
I'm going to tell you this. God will offend our understanding regularly. Because the only way you get true understanding is if our false understanding is offended. If your answers aren't working, then perhaps our, your understanding is wrong. But the only way we'll get a new one is by allowing him to offend our old one. All right. He goes, what do you want? And they're like, uh, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Isn't that a weird question? What it was really was like, hi, man, can we shack up with you tonight? You got a place to stay? Right? Because they're out in the wilderness. And he says, come and you will see. So more than likely, if you remember that map, he was probably heading back to a place in Jerusalem where he had gotten to stay for the feast. He'd come down for the day to Jericho. I mean, it was a tough climb back and forth, but you could do it because it tells us later it was four o'clock in the afternoon. And so they, they uh, and, I mean, that uh, they, they spent the day with him until the four o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, he says, come and you will see. So they went to, and, and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. So come and you will see. Anybody here, you go to God and you want information? You want details? Three of us. Five of us. Keep it going. I'll wait. No, right? Nobody goes to God and goes, God, I want vague understanding. Right? Okay, what's the main reason we usually go to God? Just being real. Keep to get it, what? We want things to get revelation, get understanding, figure stuff out, right? And what does God say to them in answer to their question? Come and you will see. Come and you will see. What's the problem with that? There's no information, is there? There's no guarantee. Like, and we find out later when one guy wanted to follow me, he goes, listen, dude, I know you're waiting for the Sheraton or the Hilton Gardens, but the man, son of man has no place to lay his hand, even though foxes have holes. And he's like, so, so there's no guarantee. Anybody found that if you're looking for guarantees, you won't walk very far with Jesus? If you're waiting on a guarantee, you won't go very far with Jesus. The first thing Jesus says is, come, walk with me, follow me. Listen, if you and I want to hear God's voice, we have to be ready to obey. So when you ask to hear God's voice and you're like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Nope, not that. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Nope, 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 nope. He who comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is, which, by the way, is the almighty God, not somebody you voted into office. Not somebody who works for you. And, but he is all wise and he is all loving. And so if you're asking him what to do, do you think that it's going to be in alignment with love? It's so they went with him and saw it. So listen, who here, you've asked God for what to do and he gave you a piece of it, but you didn't know how it was going to end, so you didn't do it. <laughs> Right? Oh, no, 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 no. I want me a guarantee. Listen, listen. By the way, I, many of you guys know the story of Masha and me. I, I was very hurt and wounded, not by her, by uh, femininity in general. Um, and uh, anyway, and, uh, but uh, I really, we were really good friends, and I could tell it was going somewhere. 
Anybody know that you can only be friends up to a certain point? There's this slippery slope. Anyway, I was, all, I was sliding. God's like, you're going to slide. You're going you're gonna to break your heart if you don't make a decision. I was like, I can't make a decision. And he was like, I was like, I don't know enough about her. I, I, I have all these questions. Next thing you know, we're hanging out for a weekend, and I have 31 questions. Please, just answer naturally. Just, I'm not even here. And I took, I took each of the questions. I wrote down the answers. I wrote down the answers. wrote down the and, and the very last one had been about being silent together, which, by the way, that's supernatural for me. And, uh, and so we, we went out hi- and being in nature. We went hiking someplace. We're sitting there. We're quiet for about a half hour. Uh, thankfully, Masha didn't know this. Normally, not a good sign. And on the way, we get back in the car, and God goes, so? I'm like, what? He's like, look at these test results. 31 out of 31. And I realized at that point, it was pass or fail, one off, and I get, I, I, I'm able to, you know, justify protecting myself. And I said, are you saying she's the one? And he goes, oh, easy, tiger, don't get it twisted. I was like, why? I'm like silent in the car for like an hour and a half, going, wah, 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 and she doesn't know this. She's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't realize this. And I'm going, ah, rah, rah. I was like, well, Lord, like, how can, I, how can I go forward with this relationship? My heart's been hurt in the past. How can I go forward if there are no guarantees? He said, Peter, if I tell you she's the one, when it gets hard, you'll blame me instead of working and fighting for what you have. <laughs> but Lord, there's no guarantees. No, no, no. I love the line about Aslan, you know, is he, in Narnia, is he a tame lion? No, but he's good. God doesn't play by our rules, but he's good. He can be trusted, even if other people, and I remember early on in our relationship, because my trust had been violated before, and I looked at her, and I realized I trusted her, and it scared the tar out of me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I trust her. I was like, ah! But she is a human being. She is capable of doing me wrong or failing or whatever. And and I said, how do I trust her, Lord? And he said, you don't trust her. You trust me in her. If we're going to listen to his voice, we need to be ready to obey without understanding. Because if we wait for understanding, we'll never hear. Our ears will go deaf. But he'll, he won't call us to jump off a cliff. He just told these guys to go for a walk with him, them not knowing where he's going. Okay, just saying. Moving on. So they went and they saw. It said, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Okay, who here, having your own birth brother, tell you something was not any guarantee that it was truth. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you're, like of all the people that tell me the Messiah, I was like, dang it, I was going to be the first one. I wanted to be the one to tell you. <clears throat> right? Anyway, moving on. Andrew, he said, the first thing Andrew did was find him. He said, and he brought him to Jesus. We're going to have to, we're going to ha- God will usually speak through the people we don't like. The people we're offended at, the people we have low value for. And we're going to have to step over that if we're going to be able to hear him speaking through other people. And he brought him to Jesus. 
And Jesus looked at Jesus, looked at Simon. Now, you got to understand this. Okay. Jesus, right? I got a question. Ladies, men, you don't get a vote. This is going to sound weird, but stay with me. Ladies, on a scale of 1 to 10 of hotness, Jesus and the chosen. Come on, ladies, give me some numbers. You guys are afraid to give Jesus a hotness number. No, I'm just saying the character who plays Jesus. He's a seven. Solid seven, ladies. Some of y'all like, no, ladies like, I don't do beards. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I get that. What's that? Oh, you don't do beard. He gets a seven because he has a beard. So if Jesus would shave, you'd give him a ten. Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to tell you that. You do realize that's not Jesus, right? That's an actor. Okay. Some of y'all are confused, but it's okay. Man, they had TV channels back then. Wow. Okay. Isaiah tells us. He had no form of loveliness that we would esteem him. Okay, that's Christianese for he'd be ugly. I, this, if you got to ask me, this is what I think Jesus looked like. <laughs> he'd probably bug-eyed, buck teeth, <laughs> pot-bellied. Is that offensive? I don't know. It, it offends me. It offends me. I need a good-looking Jesus. He had no form of loveliness that we esteemed him. I, my, anybody found that God usually puts things in the packages? Like, like, okay, who here got tricked on a birthday by, by choosing the package that looked the best? Or one that was heaviest? Anybody gotten given a brick? You're like, oh, that's a good one. I'm, or like a white elephant. White elephant, right? You're like, well, that's a good one. You're like, a brick. Thanks, bro. Right? No, God so often will come in a package that does not reveal the contents. And I see Peter walking up like he has waited his whole life for the Messiah. Now remember, their Messiah was, was based upon uh, the Maccabees. These guys were like super warriors. This was like, think of like, like, this was like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, whatever. Like this was their, their guy. Like these guys did military exploits. And this is their Messiah. They're waiting for is, let us go to Jerusalem, right? And then, and here, and they walk up and they go, the Messiah! What you doing? I would submit to you, Jesus lies always on the other side of offense. When God speaks, he will offend our understanding to give us new understanding. He will come on the other side of that. Anybody here had God show you, tell you to do something that sounded stupid? Yeah, yeah. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. What did Andrew tell you? You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. You will be called Rock. Can I, can I be real with you? If I'm Peter, I'm like, first of all, who are you? And who, where do you get off giving me a new name? Anybody here been given a nickname and you're like, you don't get to tell me who I am. He's being told, but something in Peter's heart rings true with that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
When God speaks, something rings true in your heart, even if it's not true in your experience. Now, I've got a question. We're going to watch Peter over the coming weeks. What do you think the likelihood that Peter's going to look rockish, going to look solid? Is Peter solid in the stories that we see him? He's all over the place. He's that friend. You got that friend, you can guarantee whatever it is, he's not going to be okay. Like, he's going to be all, like, like, when it gets crazy, just look at Peter. Yep, there you go, right? <laughs> Peter is the crazy one. <laughs> and uh, he's the crazy one. But he's also the one who runs after Jesus. He's the one who's not stuck. He's, like, he's anything but a rock. But when Jesus speaks, something happens in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? Your heart goes, it's true. My mind goes, it's not. Your heart says, it's true. Spirit knows spirit. And so Peter leaves everything and follows Jesus. Anybody here had a major spiritual experience and nothing in your life changed? Blink twice. Four of us. Okay, this side of the room is honest. (laughs) You would think meeting the Messiah... And having the Messiah change your name and being told he's the Messiah by the closest thing to a Messiah and your brother would be enough. But what do they do? They go home. Odd, isn't it? Odd. So what comes up? Jesus starts going around preaching the gospel, healing the sick. You know what you do on a Saturday. And... We find him in Luke chapter 5, if you've got Bibles. And it says, One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. And the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. By the way, do you guys ever have read the Bible with open eyes? I love reading the Bible with people who've never heard it before. Because they're not impressed. I'm sorry. This will sound weird. But, but, I mean, listen to the parable of the sower. A guy went out to sow seed. A farmer went out to sow seed. Yeah, that's what farmers do. And he sowed seed on rocky ground. Uh Uh-huh. On ground with thorns. Uh Uh-huh. And he sowed ground on good ground and on the path. Right? You know, and you're like, yeah, that's what happens. Right? Like, when he speaks, there's not this great wisdom and understanding. Right? But people are hearing something in their spirit that's more, and they're seeing signs. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So was Simon Peter there to hear the message? Simon Peter was doing what you do. He was fishing. He was washing nets. Why was he washing nets? Because they'd been out all night on the lake working like a dog, right? And now they're washing their nets. They're, they're, it's st- Can you imagine how stinky they are at this point? How much they stink, how exhausted they are? Anybody here you get done with a heart? Who, who here has done manual labor? You get to the end of a shift. What do you want to do? Go, you've already like, you've got the track. You're already planning. You are born to the bone. And he's just sitting there. Jesus walks up on his, his uh, uh, fishing net cleaning area. You can see him. Like everybody's crowding around. Like, Get off my nets. What are you guys doing? Like, 
He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I, again, I can see Jesus walking up, and Jesus, Peter's going, wait a minute, you're that dude. You're that dude. Oh, my gosh. And he's listening, and he goes, wow. And Jesus goes, jumps in, says, hey, can I jump in your boat? You know, we don't see this interchange. Jesus is like, okay, I want to use your boat for this amount of time in this way and this how. Jesus says, I just want to get in your boat. Anybody here, you want to have an agreement with Jesus that has time limited with clear delineation and clear understand of return on investment? It don't work that way. Just saying. And, you know, Simon's like, oh, my God, who here? God's like, hey, come do this. And we're like, I'm too tired. This morning, right? Anybody notice Jesus, he neither slumbers nor sleeps? I don't know about you, but I wake up and sometimes Jesus is like, you wanna? And I'm like, no. I'm like, you're, take a chill pill. Literally this morning I woke up, I was so, um, I'm not, I wasn't grumpy, I was just exhausted. I hadn't slept well, the storms at night or whatever. And I woke up and I was not happy to be awake. You know what I'm talking about? And so I was like, God, what do you want me to know about this day? And he's like, it's going to be fun. And in that moment, I had to make a choice, either take what he says or take what I say. By the way, that's what it's always about, but moving on. When he had finished speaking, he says to Simon, who's like, finally, I'm going home. I'm going to bed. I just pulled the night shift. I'm done. I'm stinky. And he goes, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a fish. A catch. Anybody been on an uh, offshore fishing with a person who's never been in a boat? And like, like can you imagine the person who's like, got, they've got the water wings on, they've got the life vests, and they're like clinging to the river. They're like, Whoa, this is awesome. Let's go out to the Bermuda Triangle. And you're like, you do not get to make decisions about this boat, my friend. Right? Here is Jesus, a landlubber, and he's like, I've always wanted to be in a fishing boat. This is great. Let's go fishing. Peter, in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, is that a good time to go fishing? In the middle of the lake, in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, is that a good time to go fishing? No, because the fish hide from the heat, right? They go down to the cool place. And, Jesus, and so I love what he says. He goes... I said, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we have worked hard all night. Anybody here done this with Jesus? Like Jesus says, let's do this. And you're like, I need to explain some things to you, Jesus, because you're obviously a little weak on the concept, but that's okay. I'm here for you. We haven't caught anything. In other words, there are no fish out there. But because it's you... We're going to do it, even though it's pointless. Anybody done that? You've been obedient, but unbelieving. Do you know what? Well, obviously, God's not going to do anything, because I'm obedient, but unbelieving. Do you know trust is not a feeling? See, we make belief is intellectual. Trust is an action. Like, I don't believe anything about my Uber driver, but I trust him. How do I know? Because I got in the car, Right? When they had done so, he said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Actually, that's really funny. I never just saw that. Jesus said, put out deep water. It doesn't say he went out to deep water. 
What do you think? Maybe you didn't go out to deep water. Do you know what? Sometimes God will meet us in our unbelief. Anybody? Anyway. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat. Now remember, they had worked hard all night, and they're business people with no fish to sell. They're struggling financially. Listen, if they spent the whole night, they needed the money. And Jesus meets them in the area of their need. So they signaled the partners of the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord! I am a sinful man! Doesn't that sound like a very weird, over-the-top response? That's okay. That's okay. When you see things you don't understand in Scripture, it's a good thing to ask. But remember... He's met this guy before, told that he's the Messiah. But for some reason, he hasn't followed him. Maybe you've seen Jesus from afar, but some of his followers were a little weird. (laughs) John the Baptist weird. (laughs) And you're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll just go back over here and wait to see if something happens. And finally, something's happening in his neighborhood. God is invading his finances. God is invading his situation. God, Jesus, who knows nothing about fish, just brought in the biggest fish they've catch they've ever seen. And what does he do? He realizes what's really going on. See, God always wants to engage us in our lives, not just to engage us in our lives, not just to meet our financial needs, not just so we can get by, not just so we can be healed, but so that we can rise up into our relationship with him and walk with him in obedience to bring life to this world. And so Peter's ruined. oh my gosh. See, when you encounter God, you see the gap between who he says and who you are. Remember, Jesus said, Peter, my rock. And that rock just walked off. (laughs) You are the stable one. And he's like, I'm out of here. And he realized in that moment, when you come to God, there's this, you realize this gap. That's what happened to Isaiah in chapter six of Isaiah, where he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he goes, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. When you see God, you recognize you ain't who you was supposed to be. Better yet, who he made you to be. And in that moment, Peter says, get away from me. How would the God of the universe respond when you tell him, get away from me? What does he say? It's like when Adam and Eve hid in the garden. How did that work out? He found them. He said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Does, let's, do you think Jesus, engaged, Jesus talks to him about his sin? I thought that's all God cares about. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. What are you talking about? Jesus cuts right through all of the stuff. Peter's like, I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, don't be afraid. He cuts through. Jesus knows what's really going on inside you and me. Peter's not talking about fear at all. I'm not afraid of nothing. Jesus goes, don't be afraid, little boy. (laughs) Don't be afraid. 
From now on, you will fish for people. He called him by his name, his identity, Rock. But then he told him what his calling was. You will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus, when he begins to speak to us, he begins to violate our understanding right off the bat. Anybody here been told, oh, let me say this a different way. Anybody here had this feeling that you had to have it together to come to church? Or at least you wanted to have it all together? Does Peter have it all together? Does Jesus meet him? I would submit he only meets people who don't have it together. The thing that Peter does is Peter, part of why Peter was a great follower of Jesus is he was honest with his confession. Confess means simply to tell the truth. Anybody here been asked, how are you doing? You're like, fine, thanks for asking. Right? Or maybe you've been asked in church, you know, um, uh, or, or something to the effect where you're like, like oh, I'm sick, but I know the Lord is healing me. Do you, though? Do you? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, we say the religious response, we say the right answer, but we don't actually believe it. See, God is a God of truth, and he can handle the truth. You can't, but he can. Anybody here been told you got to... Oh, now, I, I want you all to survive. Stay with me. So confess means simply to tell the truth. So what does Peter say? He says, he says, I can't be around you. Right? Get away from me. Or you can't be away around me. Or maybe it's, Jesus, you scare me. What else do you think he's saying in all these things when he says, Depart, get away from me? I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Ooh, that's good. What else? You can answer for your neighbor. Afraid of failure. I screw up everything I touch. How about that one? Anybody? Here are my people. I'm a screw up. You don't want to hang with me. Not good enough. Confession. He confesses the truth. When you confess, now when you say the truth about what's actually happening, now God can actually deal with you and me. When we're being... Yeah. When we're, we're not telling the truth, guess what? He is the God of all truth. He will keep talking until we tell the truth. But will he leave us there? Because the next part is he will, Paul calls it the renewing of the mind. The mind renewed. He will give us his thoughts, his truth, the real truth. Right? He'll say the real truth. And what's the real truth that he says to, to Peter? First thing he says is, don't be afraid. In other words, it's funny. He gives all this, right? 
And he cuts, he, and Jesus takes the truth even further. He goes, you are afraid. You're afraid. Right? Don't be afraid. I'm not going anywhere. He said, come with me, right? I'm, 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 not, I'm not leaving. I'm not offended. I'm not freaked out by all of this. I am here. But not only that is I want to walk with you. I want you to be on my team. I want you. What? What? Okay, you imagine Peter? Peter's like, I just told you. You smell me. You know who I am. You see me as I am. You call me rock, but you know I'm anything but a rock. And you say you want me. That offends me. Do you understand what I mean? In that moment, I can either hold on to this or I can receive this. I can't do both simultaneously. Does that make sense? When God speaks, he will confront, offend our thoughts. In that moment, we get to surrender them to him and say, God, forget. I receive what you say. God said to me, we're going to have fun today. And I said, what was my physical thought? Not with this body, you're not. <laughs> right? Or, okay, God. I want to see the fun. God said this. He said, Peter, you know, you usually find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for fun, you'll find it. If you're looking for offense, you'll find that too. He said, I want you. But then Jesus will always invite us into action, obedience, which leads to transformation. Do you remember Jesus? Peter had an encounter with Jesus the first time. Remember? You're a rock. Did he do anything? He had this great, Jesus confronted him, right? And he just went right back to his life because he didn't actually do anything. Jesus will always then lead us to a place of obedience. And what does he say to Peter? He says, you are going to be a fisher of men. Now I have a question. What is that? <laughs> well, we have to get new business cards. What exactly is a fisher of men? Listen, you and I might be able to figure out what he's talking about based upon what happens later. He didn't know. But his heart knew that it was going to be with Jesus. I will go with you and learn. I will go with you. He leaves everything and learn from you who I am. So what I want to challenge us today is, you know, the funny thing is, I've never met a person. I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't even met an atheist. Those are also people who can't hear the voice of the devil. Like, it's amazing. Like, I've met people that are like, I don't believe in God. And you're like, well, you do believe in the devil. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear him all the time. <laughs> he better be the devil because those are some crazy thoughts inside my head. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? What does the devil's voice sound like real quick? Accusing? Negative? Negative? Steal, kill, destroy? Anxious? Anxious? Oddly, inviting. Oddly inviting. Do you do want to do this, don't you? <laughs> right? Or, well, how about psycho? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, don't wave your hand on this. Blink twice. <laughs> Logically negative. Come on. But yeah, anybody have these thoughts who are like, I could just lose it right now and kill everybody in the post office. And then I'd be going post office. 
I hope they don't know I just thought that. Right? He, the enemy is, the funny thing is, like I said, everybody. Now, the devil speaks to you. Why? Because he hates you. Because he hates God. Do you think God loves you more than the devil hates you? The funny thing I've also found is I've never met a person who hasn't been hearing God's their voice their whole life. They just didn't know it was him. God has been speaking to you all along. Many of us, we actually have a lot of experiences, maybe like Peter, like God's like, you're a rock. I'm, yes, I am a rock. I receive a rock. I am a rock. I'm going to just go be a sponge somewhere else. And if that, that's probably why Peter said, I'm unworthy, right? I'm, I'm a sinful man. I should have followed you. Jesus doesn't care about your past. He wants to call you into his future. So right now, I just love you to do this. Close your eyes. Just ask God. God, what do you want me to know? Hmm, maybe better to start with, God, what do I actually feel? What do I actually think about you? If I'm honest. And then God, what do you want me to know about those things? What do you want to say over those things? Over the way I feel about you, the way I feel. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.